I'm not going to read every verse of the psalm, kind of going to skip the middle where it talks about the different groups of people. Um, But Psalm 83, let's start in verse 1. Keep not thou silence, O God. Hold not thy peace, and be not still, O God. For lo, thine enemies make a tumult, and they that hate thee have lifted up the head. They have taken crafty counsel against thy people and consulted against thy hidden ones. They have said, Come, and let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel may may be no more in remembrance. For they have consulted together with one consent. They are confederate against thee. We're going to skip down to verse 12. Who said, Let us take to ourselves the houses of God in possession. O my God, make them like a wheel, as the stubble before the wind. As the fire burneth a wood, and as the flame setteth the mountains on fire, so persecute them with thy tempest, and make them afraid with thy storm. Fill their faces with shame, that they may seek thy name, O Lord. Let them be confounded and troubled forever. Yea, let them be put to shame and perish. That men may know that thou, whose name alone is Jehovah, art the most high over all the earth. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. Lord, I pray uh, that you'd help me to preach tonight. Lord, that you'd uh, touch my throat. Lord, help me, uh, give me strength. But Lord, also fill me with the unction of the Holy Spirit. Lord, help us to hear and to learn and to draw closer to you and to trust more in your word. And in Jesus' name we pray and amen. So with all the recent events in Israel, I have seen this psalm uh, start to come up over and over again uh, where the uh, Palestinians have kind of surprised, attacked uh, Israel in the last couple days in the Gaza Strip area. Uh, and one of the things, I, like I said, I keep seeing this psalm, so I wanted to get into it and, and really see what it says. And here, here's the thing. I, I, I know that uh, there are people that are a lot smarter than me. There are a lot of people that uh, have dug into the Bible and different things, but sometimes uh, they get so complex that they just miss that just reading God's word for what it says. And I, I'm thankful that we can get into it. Uh, I'm glad that it doesn't take an advanced degree or anything like that. It just takes prayer. It takes studying and it takes reading it. And a lot of times that's what's missing uh, uh, with a lot of Christian people. So when they don't do that, then they turn to opinion uh, and different things like that. And I, I never want to go that route. But if you look in the first three verses of this psalm, it talks about an attack on Israel by enemies that hate them. And here's the thing. If you look at just that part, it, it doesn't really narrow it down because ever since Israel was established, it's had enemies. And I believe it will always have enemies until Jesus Christ takes care of them. Uh, so there's not a lot of specifics here at the beginning. Uh, the Lo, thine enemies, in verse 2, make a tumult, an uproar. They that hate thee have lifted up the head. Uh, they've taken crafty counsel. They're using uh, strategy, tricking, uh, secretness to go against them. Uh, but one of the things of this prayer Uh, It's called an imprecatory prayer, and it's one of those where it's, uh, you know, bring judgment down on the enemies of Israel. So you see a handful of these throughout the book of Psalms, but uh, in this prayer, you look at as it continues in verse 4. They have said, come and let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel may, uh, may be no more in remembrance, for they have consulted together with one consent. They are confederate against thee. And notice now when we're getting to this part, it's narrowing it down. 
The first three verses could have been any enemy that's ever attacked Israel or ever will. But now we see they're saying, hey, verse 5 especially, it's going to be a combined attack. It's going to be multiple enemies coming together as one group to go against Israel. And we kind of skipped in that area in the middle, verses 6, 7, 8, uh, where it lists the different people groups in that section uh, and here's the thing, uh, one of the things people struggle with with these people groups is some of them it's hard to track where they're at anymore. Where, where's Lot's descendants? Well, they're, they're, there's a lot of them, right? There's a lot of them spread out uh, in different places, you know. Uh, but one of the things that the Bible really uh, helps us out with is people are struggling, well, where's this group at and where's that group and is this group still here and is that group still here? I think one of the things God is telling us is, hey, where were those groups at when they were here in the Bible? Where were they at? That's where they are. That's what the, uh, maybe not called the same thing, maybe not exactly the same line or anything like that, but the same spots, I believe what God is saying, that's where the enemy's going to come from. So all those names that are mentioned in 6, 7, and 8... I'll give you the countries where they were at in the Bible. Here's the modern day countries. We're talking about Lebanon, Syria, Iraq, Saudi Arabia, Jordan, and the Palestinian territories. That's where those groups are. So pretty much surrounding them, uh, everyone but Egypt. I don't see Egypt on the list, but just about everyone else. So here's the thing. If all these groups are coming together in 6, 7, and 8, and they're all a confederate, they're all in one, and they're all attacking Israel, you know, a lot of people have different views of Israel and different things, but almost everyone agrees on this, that it hasn't happened yet. This hasn't happened. We haven't seen... Uh, a, we, Israel has had combined attacks against them, but nothing of this multitude. But here's one of the problems that I've seen. Remember I said I keep seeing people going back to Psalm 83 right now. They're just they're rushing to this psalm and saying, here's what's going on. And, uh, and, and I know exactly what's happening. But one of the problems I've seen uh, with the way Christians deal with prophecy in my lifetime is we try to take something and fit it exactly in our current uh, scenario, whether it fits or not, right? Uh, surely this is this time, or have you ever heard it? Surely this is that time. I know exactly. Look, it's right here. And thinking, my goodness, are you serious? Are you forgetting this is not the first time Israel's ever been attacked? That's what I want to say. Even from, so you could say, well, Mike, now, now it's different now that they're a country, okay? This isn't the first time the nation of Israel as a country has been attacked either. You have to go into history, which people are afraid of. But there's a couple, 1948, the Arab-Israeli War, the Six-Day War in 1967, the Yom Kippur War in 1973. And then you're thinking, well, Mike, this one's different with Gaza. And I'll say, well, uh, I looked it up. And from 2008 to 2014, there were several wars the same way, same direction, same people. So here's the question. Will today's war turn into Psalm 83? You ready for the big answer? I have no idea. I have no idea. Right? And I think that's what more people need to say. I don't know. And in fact, if we go back in history, the odds are probably not. It's probably just another one. Another enemy going against Israel like they have from the very beginning until now. But you know what? I don't like guessing on the future. 
and guessing on different things when there are things in the Bible that we can turn to that aren't a guess, that we don't have to guess on. I'll tell you one thing is that I know without a shadow of a doubt, you know, in times like this, we've got to pray for Israel, definitely. And I've already told you, I think the other day, that when I, I, I've read some of the reports and watched some of the things and, and, and the stress, the anxiety starts to increase and, you, you know, the fear and different things start to happen. But then I have to remind myself of the verses that God has for them, the, the protection, the precious promises from God. Because I know one thing, I don't know if this is going to evolve into uh, what's, Psalm 83 is talking about, but I don't do, I do know one thing that God will protect Israel. He will. Genesis 12, 1 through 3. This is the very beginning. Now the Lord said unto Abraham, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make thee a great nation and I will bless thee and I will make thy name great and thou shall be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. That's the very first promise to Abraham, calling him out of Ur, calling him into this promised land to make a great nation out of him. And right off the bat, what does God say? There's going to be people that curse you and go against you. You're going to have enemies. And he's, he is reassuring Abraham, I will take care of them. Right? They curse you. I'll take care of them. That's what God's saying. But right from the beginning. So that should tell us right off the bat, Israel is constantly going to have enemies. And that is one of the truest things we've seen over history. Why? Why, is enemy, why are the enemies always after Israel? Well, the answer is easy. It's Satan. He hates Israel. Why? Because God said, this is my nation, and he's put his name on them, and they're his chosen people, right? And, and he hates them, just like the church. He hates the church as well. We are going to have enemies constantly as well. We see that. Oh, yeah, the, the attacks aren't the same all the time. It's not always the same magnitude. But I'll tell you one thing. We are going against the devil as well. What's he trying to do? He wants to eliminate Israel. He wants to eliminate the church, right? Because if he can do either one of those, he can go back to the Bible. The devil could and say, look, this is wrong. It's a lie, right? If Israel would be completely destroyed by any, any enemy, then the Bible could not be true. So that's what Satan's trying to do. He's trying to go against God every way he can. They're always going to have enemies. Uh, Isaiah 46, 3 and 4. Hearken unto me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, which are born by me from the belly, which are carried from the womb. And even to your old age am I he. I, even to your old age I am he. And even to your hoary hairs I will carry you. I have made and I will bear. Even I will carry and I will deliver you. And then I think of Psalm 121. And you might not remember this one, but Gene would stand up and recite this one all the time. And in the middle of Psalm 121, verses 4 and 5, Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The devil's trying to constantly eliminate Israel, but he cannot. Because our God is more powerful. He can eliminate any army. 
He can redirect weapons and make them blow up. He can bring a storm, weather, whatever. In fact, what's he even done? He's made the enemy even attack themselves, right? He can do all those things and more. But just as I know that God will protect Israel, one day Israel will face their last enemy. Amen. One day it will be the last time. Zechariah 12, 9 and 10. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. And I will pour out upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. And they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in Bitterness for his firstborn. One day, one day, Jesus Christ will avenge Israel. Uh, the same one that died for the sins of the world. The same Jesus Christ. The same one that they pierced. The King of kings and Lord of lords. He will come and destroy the enemies. Zechariah 14, 11, And men shall dwell in it, and there shall be no uh, more utter destruction, but Jerusalem shall be safely inhabited. I'll tell you one thing. It's clear that verse hasn't been fulfilled yet. Amen? There's no safety. What do they have? They have air raid uh, sirens. They have bomb shelters. They have safe rooms and everything else. Why would you need any of that? Because there's a constant enemy. But one day there won't. That day King Jesus will be sitting on David's throne. Perfectly ruling this earth. But until then Israel is going to endure attacks from the enemies. And one other thing I know, so I know for sure God will protect Israel. I know for sure that, uh, that one day Israel will face its last enemies. And here's the other thing I know from God's word. That the fighting today in that Gaza Strip area there in the southwestern corner uh, of Israel, that region, if you go back to the Bible, was held by the Philistines. That's Philistine territory. That's where it's at. And in fact, that's how they get their name. Palestinian. It's from Philistine. King Hezekiah, one of the good kings, when it's the Bible's describing his reign in 2 Kings 18, verses 5 through 8, it says this He trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him. For he clave to the Lord and departed not from following him, but kept his commandments, which the Lord commanded Moses. And the Lord was with him, and he prospered whithersoever he went forth. Sorry, it moved. And he rebelled against the king of Assyria and served him not. He smote the Philistines even unto Gaza. And the borders thereof from the tower of the watchmen to the fenced city. Did you get that in verse 8? He smote the Philistines even unto Gaza and the borders thereof from the tower of the watchmen to the fenced city. You know, every time you go back in history that Israel's fighting and God's defeating the enemies and giving them victory, their territory increases. But then what happens? In times of peace, they either give it back or they let the enemy coexist, right? Which God said not to do. But here's the thing. Remember what I said? 
I don't believe prophecy is for us to try to guess about what's going on today, but I believe it's that we can take the word of God and apply it to today as it unfolds. And really, instead of prophecy, instead of causing us to guess and causing us to just say, well, obviously this is Psalm 83, or obviously this is the mark of the beast, or obviously this is that, when most of the times we've been wrong every time we've tried to do that, Instead, what we should do is as things unfold and we see uh, things fulfilled and prophecies fulfilled and truth fulfilled from God's word, it should cause us to worship God and draw to God and realize he knows the future. It should cause us to look at this book and say, my goodness, even though it's thousands of years old in this section, it, God knew exactly what was going to happen. Amen. We don't have to guess. We can say, uh, whether it's this part or a different part, we can say, I can see it unfolding. I can see God being true. And I believe it should make us put a greater emphasis on the Bible. The more prophetic future things we see fulfilled, the more we should draw to it. And although we may not understand the things that haven't been fulfilled, that's okay. We don't have to. Do you realize that I, it, it's taken me wh a while to learn this and sometimes I have to remind myself. Do you realize that the Lord is coming back for his church, whether I fully understand it or not? Right? Do you realize that he is going to take care of Israel, whether I fully understand how or when he's going to do it? Uh, I, I tell you what confuses me when I read where he's going to save Israel spiritually. That confuses me when I read it sometimes. I don't understand exactly how he's going to do all these things. But one thing I do understand is God's got it under control. And that's what we can do. And we can pray for Israel. But I can't be worried about them because God has them in his hand. He's taking care of them. He always will. He always has and he always will. Psalm 44, 3. For they got not the land in possession by their own sword. Neither did they their own arm save them. But thy right hand and thine arm and the light of thy countenance, because thou hadst a favor unto them. Whether you go into the Old Testament or whether it's today, it's not by military strategy. It's not by might. It's not by greater numbers. It's not uh, by the greater champion or Goliath would have defeated David, right? It's never been that, but it's been God bringing the victory. Now let's go back to Psalm 83, the last couple verses. Verse 13, O my God, make them like a wheel, as the stubble before the wind, as the fire burneth the wood, and as the flame setteth the mountains on fire, so persecute them with thy tempest, and make them afraid with thy storm. So remember, this imprecatory prayer is like saying, uh, crush the enemies, level them, make them like the chaff under the millstone, crushing the weed, and burn them like a forest fire, make them afraid, and everything else. Uh, I'll tell you one thing. I don't think the Lord wants us as Christians praying prayers like this. But I'll tell you where it changes is in verse 16. I notice this. See, 13, 14, 15, and the first half of verse 16 are just like the imprecatory prayers we see in the Old Testament. Those are normal, like level the enemy, crush them, Lord, get rid of them, you know, uh, uh, free us, get us out of there. Uh, but look at how 16 changes. Fill their faces with shame, and it doesn't stop. That they may seek then thy name, O Lord. That's not normal in the Old Testament. 
Let them be confounded and troubled forever. Yea, let them be put to shame and perish. That's normal. Look at verse 18. That men may know that thou, whose name alone is Jehovah, art the most high over all the earth. You see what it's saying right here? Lord, protect Israel. Right? Protect them. Lord, keep the enemy from destroying them. Bring justice to them. But not just a military victory just so it can uh, be shown in history and not just peace for the sake of peace. But Lord, use this to turn men to you. Right? It, it, if, if love isn't going to turn them to you, then use your power to turn them to you. Right? Use your might that they can see that you're a stronger God than the false gods that they're serving. Use it to turn them to you. And you think about what a prayer as he's getting to the end. That men may seek thy name, O Lord. And a lot of times you think about this. And if you think about the context, he's talking about those groups that we were, those uh, 10, I think, groups uh, uh, of enemies around Israel. And you think about what he's saying. He's saying that they may seek thy name, O Lord. That seems impossible, Right? Just as impossible as those military victories where there was a sea of an enemy with chariots and everything else and just thousands of God's people. Yet God still brought the victory. I think spiritually we need to use the same faith that we say, well, God could do that. That's no problem. God can turn some of those nations around him, some of the people in those nations, I believe God can turn them to him. Not all of them, but I believe there's ones that will turn to the Lord. There may be ones that are fighting today against Israel that will see the power of God and may drop Muhammad and whatever else they're, the Quran, everything else, whatever else they're trying to fight for, whatever thing they can see, you know what? I've lived all my life and I thought I saw real power. I thought I saw a God that was in control, but then I saw the God of Israel. And that needs to be part of our prayer. Like Ryan was saying, pray for the enemy. Not, not for leveling, but Lord, pray for the enemy so that they can turn to you. Because if they die in battle, they think one thing's going to happen, but they're going to open their eyes in hell, just like the rich man. That men may know that thou, whose name alone is Jehovah, art the most high over all the earth. It seems impossible, but with God, all things are possible. I believe Jesus can do it. I believe the Holy Spirit can touch hearts. The Lord's protecting Israel. And Lord, make it sure that they know that you're the true Lord God of Israel and that you are the one that's protecting them. And it goes back to this. Lord, they're basically saying, Lord, do this, not just because you promised it, but Lord, do it for your glory. Do it for your glory. Is Psalm 83 what's going on right now? I don't know. Not yet. May it turn into that? It could. It may not. But I'll tell you one thing, God's still in control. The Bible's still real. We don't have to guess on different things when we can point to things that are absolutely true, no matter what. I'm going to open up the altar tonight.